Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Cedars Gear Podcast. We are here, as promised, for some immediate gut reactions to the Tour de Ski Stage 4. Now, I will say, uh, for the sake of time and uh, our new motto being first, not necessarily right, accurate, all those sorts of things, we've just kind of, you know, clicked record and hopped on the pod today after watching the two races. So we, we had a busy day today. You know, we got to cover Michaela Schifrin. She won World Cup number 81. So that was a big story here this morning. Um, we've, we have to, uh, what, what else did we have to do? Well, we're getting ready. We're preparing for stage five, six, and seven Val de Fieme, uh, where we'll be broadcasting for ski and snowboard.live. So I'm kind of trying to, to work on that a little bit. Now, a wise person probably would put out this broadcast at the end of the day tomorrow, just because, you know, once I've done a lot of you know, prep. I'll probably have more things I wish to say, but you know, whatever. We want to. We want to get in line. We want to be first. We know you're coming here because we've got sound bites from the athletes after the stages today. So we're going to get to those in a moment. The themes today. I mean, I think let's just hop right into it. The themes were the Americans sh- uh, showed some resiliency, especially on the women's side. You know, we saw some great performances, particularly from Jesse Diggins. She had the fastest time in the field today. If you uh, forty-seven. 47 minutes, 40 seconds for the 20K. So Jess Diggins pulls out the fastest time out of anyone. Of course, the win went to Frida Carlson. She beat Krista Parmakowski for the second day in a row, almost an identical podium on the women's side. Frida Carlson, Krista Parmakowski. Today it was Tiro Udnes Vang, the, uh, and then Anna Shirstikalvo, but Shirstikalvo was on the podium yesterday in the 10K Classic. So women's at the top, uh, we have the drama surrounding and forming, but Frida Carlson with a big win gives her a little bit of a cushion here as we go to the final stop of the Tour de Ski. But as I was saying, the Americans showed some resiliency. They're the ones who really won the day. I would say Jesse Diggins the fastest. By 20 seconds, the fastest time on the course. Rosie Brennan finished 13th overall. She had the 10th fastest time. And then even going down, Julia Kern, the 6th fastest time. You know, she hung on with Julia or with Jesse Diggins for a lot of that race. So another great distance performance from Kern. Um, and uh, Elena Sonneson, the Minnesotan, pulls out the 5th fastest time. She finished 31st overall. Sophia Lockley was right in front of her uh, just by, well, not right in front of her. I guess they were 30 seconds apart, but one place in front. Lockley had the 8th fastest time. So a couple uh, more great performances from those athletes in the Battle of the Ski Classics athletes. If you're following that, Ida Dahl of Sweden was 41st today. Um, so she is definitely on the losing end compared to Astrid Orslind of Norway, who finished 12th on the day right in front of Rosie Brennan. She was right up there in that chase back i guess the second chase back for a while but it became the main chase back so slind who has plans to race the world championships and then go on and race the more of oslo but kind of a crazy agenda there she is still hanging tough here on the tour to ski so uh, i took some notes you know as i was watching the broadcast uh and uh i guess i'll go through let's talk about the men's race first you know i think if i if i were to hold both of these races on Either hand, I would say the men's race um, had some excitement. The women's race had some drama. And if you're someone who thinks that there's no difference between those two words, fine. But uh, what I mean by that, I think, is, you know, the men's race ended up feeling a lot like a mass start. And that, of course, is going to create some excitement because we really didn't know what was going to happen until the very end. I mean, obviously, Clabo, (laughs) you... 
you're, everyone's waiting to see how he determines the narrative to be, and, and which he did. But everyone was in that race. Everyone was in that race going into that last lap. So ended up being a mass start and a wild finish. <clears throat> On the women's side, there was drama because a lot of it was a lot of the race. A lot of the what made that race special occurred outside of the cameras with Diggins really making some moves. Um, and and I. And I think that that's where the, the storyline was, or at least the inside storyline. But there was also drama, I would say, up in front. And the reason there was drama, and um, I think if I would have been Andrew, I would have laid into this even more. He did bring up how fast uh, Krista Parmakowski's skis were, but that, was a, that added a layer of drama in the sense that the reason I think Frida Carlson really made the hard move she did on that uphill, I mean, really went for it to gap Parmakoski is because she knew the last part of that race going into the stadium and and the downhills in general uh, was going to play into the Finns' favor tremendously. So, you know, we saw her kind of, I don't know, learn that and realize that within between 10K and 16K as those two athletes sort of traded spots. And I mean, you could just see if Frida Carlson was realizing like, holy crap, the old school red lines are moving today. And, and so she, I, I would assume she kind of devised that plan. Like there's going to be one spot where I can really still exert an advantage over Krista Parmakoski and I need to make the most of it. Uh, and, and that made for an exciting duel, I think, and, and kind of an exciting demonstration of, or a dramatic demonstration, if we're going to stick with the juxtaposition of these two terms, uh, between uh, between Frida Carlson's type of fitness and Krista Parmakoski's type of fitness. Uh, they're both great athletes, you know, um, and, and Carlson is running on all cylinders right now. I think she's probably the best climber other than, you know, if you want to, if you want to, all of you listeners over in Paris, France right now are all Claudel fans, fine. But I mean, Carlson, Carlson's amazing going up those hills. So uh, I, th- I thought that was cool to watch that drama play out in the front and the back. But the problem was, is the camera crew was kind of limited. And we saw that again today, some of the fist broadcast errors, you know, right, right at the moment that Freda Carlson was making a move, we cut back. Now we did see a cool replay of Annie Shirsty Calvo and uh, Tiro Lunas Vang tripping on each other. So that was good, high, tense television. But, um, you know, I think it, it was kind of difficult. Like, where where do you expect us to go? I think I think actually on the broadcast side of things, this is where it would be helpful to um, maybe have that. I don't know how much flexibility we even have, but like, you know, if if broadcaster guy is, and I'm not even picking on Andrew here, but if broadcaster guy is, is making mention of, oh gosh, Diggins is moving up the field, then you, then you got to try and find that. Um, if the moment of the race is being made though, and that's what's being commented on, you can't cut at that moment. So I think they cut, it was just like a millisecond too early. They did go back and, and catch the, uh, Frida Carlson coming over the, that initial little rise halfway through the A climb. Uh, but, but I mean, yeah, it was just a small little thing there. Uh, I think that's interesting. So, you know, as, as some of that narrative, if it's being discussed, maybe you do try and find those athletes, but again, it's limited. There's, there, it's all determined on venue, how many cameras they have, what their options even are. So, um, if you're someone who's like, yeah, 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 it's just terrible. It's like, I, I mean, I think everyone here is doing the best that they can with what they have. So speaking of that, let's, uh, let's, you, you didn't come here too much to listen to me rant, right? You want to hear about, you hear from these guys. Let's first, well, who do we got, Ajay? What uh, what clips do we have to play? Ajay's letting me know that we have Hunter Wonders, Ben Ogden, Scott Patterson. So um, 
Well, yeah, yeah, roll the clip. Let's let's hear from Ben Ogden, 13th place overall today, right? Was that where he was? Ogden, Benny, Ben finished. Why did why did you take my results off of the front of the screen? Here we go. Ben Ogden was 13th. Yeah, 13th overall, 24th fastest time. Let's hear what he had to say about his race. Yeah, so, so Ben, great race for you out there. Uh, the action really heated up, and you were right in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was good. I, like, uh, sweet because the pack stayed together the whole race, and uh, then they just sprinted for it in the last K or so, and, you know, I think my strengths uh, in a 20K are, are better suited in the last K than they are in the first 19, so <laughs> that was good. So uh, what was going on? What was the dy- dynamic of the pack in there? A little bit of uh, shuffling yeah. around? Oh, yeah, that was shuffling. That was shuffling. I mean, it was nice because, you know, we're, we're getting deep into the tour, so nobody was being too, was being too crazy. You know, you sometimes get mass start where everyone's got fresh legs and it's just like jockeying for position for an hour which is just wearing but today people people were just pr- pretty chill and uh and just sort of let the race unfold and then when it came time to go everybody went and uh yeah it worked out well how'd the skis roll today skis were great yeah man i've had i've had fabulous skis all year and today was no uh no exception so you know it's uh yeah, it's good. First tour, four stages in, three to go. How you feeling? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm feeling good. I'm starting to be a little bit tired, but we have a nice day off tomorrow, so I, uh, uh, I'm feeling good, and I'm really psyched to do some more sprinting. So, cool. Yeah. Congrats, man. Good job, thanks. So, if you were watching the race, I think Ben was um, originally kind of latched on with um, the Great Brit. He latched on with, oh, Musgrave. Oh, wow, I did not realize this. Muzzy. Yeah, okay, because they left 6th and 7th, I think. Yeah, Bib, Bib 7 was Muzzy, and he was pushing the pace. He got that. He he initially bridged that gap um, in the race, and then I, I think he even took a, a turn or two at the front, so it just goes to show placing 20th. Andrew Musgrave, there, there was a moment in that race where I remember thinking, and it was late, that, oh man, this is going to be, t- Musgrave is back, here he is, he hasn't had an amazing tour, and maybe he's going to like get on the podium or something, and uh, that obviously did not happen, and and yet, I mean, he was 12 seconds off of the win, so it was obviously really, really tight, he was um, uh, two tenths behind Hunter Wonders, we're going to hear from him next, so here's Hunter Wonders after his 19th place finish he was he finished 19th and he had the 19th fastest time on the day as well hunter Wonders. hunter it's starting to really come around for you another top 20 finish feeling pretty good yeah i'm feeling great um it was a uh, fast pack it started off pretty hard um once we caught the lead pack it seemed to chill out a little bit um i was just trying to ski relaxed and it was pretty exciting skiing with a lot of guys i've been watching for years so you started bib 11. How, how long did it take you to catch up with those guys? Um, man, I want to say we probably caught up to the lead pack on lap three. Lap it three. all kind of blurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all came together. What was the mood in the pack? Was there a lot of jostling for position? Guys just, uh, you know, what was the mood in the pack? Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, stepping on poles and stepping on skis and a lot of kind of impatience out there. Um, and it seemed to really set you back if you got in the wrong lane going up one hill, you know, it could put you back like 15 places and then you'd have to work your way back up. Um, so it was almost like luck, whichever one you ended up in. Did um, you, did you try to mark a couple of guys and try to follow them and, and, and stay on their, their heels? Um, I did honestly with us guys. I, I just like skiing around us guys. Usually we're pretty good about not stepping on each other's stuff. 
um, and it's fun to ski with your teammates. Cool. So four stages in now. How's the body feeling? First tour. Um, I'm feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> the legs are getting heavy. Yeah. yeah. Um, not excited for this four-hour car ride ahead of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> three stages to go. What are you? Uh, what are you? Uh, what, are you what, are your, what are you thinking about that? I mean, it's a three. They're not easy stages. A sprint, a distance race, and then that that last hill climb. Um. Yeah, I'm just trying to hold on and stay healthy. I think the the body can do it as long as uh, the immune system can, I think. Cool. Yeah. Well, congrats, man. Yeah, Great to see you. you out there again today. So, yeah, that guy's race came together. I'm looking at my notes here. Don't have the exact uh, moment when it came together other than at some point in here I wrote... This is unbelievable. Someone make Clavo hurt for this. So I, and that was 12K in. I think I think it was somewhere around 10K or slightly before, perhaps. Clavo, I thought I thought Clavo was caught by around 7K maybe. And then the whole pack came in. It must have been around 10K because at that or 10 or 12K because um, you know it, then I, then I wrote this. Just why are they slowing down to a jog? They slowed complete, slowed down to a jog completely. Um, and at that point, it's like, okay, I don't understand what the thought process is out here for any of the athletes. Um, the Kruger. Well, it's hard for me to get down on Kruger a little bit, although I think I will. But but basically, if if you're not an athlete uh, that has a reason to just try and get like fifth. You know, you're so you're you're in the fight for the running here in the overall standings, and that's a big deal. Like I gotta think at the, at some point you just go, look, guys, we're not gonna beat Clabo in a sprint. I don't want to win because he broke a pole. I'm gonna push the pace and at least make him hurt for it. Like to me, that's just kind of inexcusable. And I know these guys are are saying stuff like. Hey, I'm starting to feel it. Well, of course they're feeling it a little bit. You know, four four races in five days, a travel in there. Like it's not easy. But you got to remember, two of these days were sprint days. Some of these athletes, you know, ran a qualifier and were not, and then they're done, or they qualified had one heat. So it's not. It's this isn't like a ridiculous amount of volume or intensity, really. You know, a sprint day, a 10k, another 10k, and a 20k. Okay, so like I think I think part of it is you're probably not going to hit an athlete and go. So how are you feeling four days in? You know, tough tour. You know, then I could be like, actually, I'm feeling amazing right now. You know, like because now now they've got a it's bulleted board material. Um, so yeah, they're gonna they're gonna kind of just go, yeah, yeah. Well, of course we're feeling it. You know, the tour it's tough. And, and again, not not that they're not, but I and I say all this because it's like you've got eight k to go, right? I mean, mosey around for a few K like they did two or three. Don't, don't wait until the last lap until people started throwing haymakers. It's just because then there's not a whole lot of options, you know? And I, and I get, there's the slingshotting the, you know, like it's hard to escape from a pack, but there was a, there was a massive hill, um, on that course. And in fact, we saw Shirota, a great climber, try to make a decent move. He just, he he wasn't fully committed to it. I don't think he he really went on. What was it? I, I think I wrote this down too. Uh, wrote well, maybe I wrote in my other note page. The exact distance. If well, he went at twelve k. Clabo wasn't in the group to react, so it didn't really matter. Pornoma went at fourteen point five k. Clabo goes with him. All of a sudden, the entire pack strings out. I mean, it just goes to show all of these athletes are dictating everything off of Clabo. Now, look there's there's a time when this makes sense and a time when it doesn't here's here's when it makes sense 
if you're running in a marathon, so a race that's two hours long and Kipchoge is in this race, um, it's it's fair or reasonable to allow him to dictate dictate the pace because he has a track record of ruining people throughout the race. So in other words, like he's probably going to run the smartest race from the beginning to the first 40K. He's not someone who's going to beat you in a sprint finish though. So like if, if you hang with him and you can hang with him and you're with him with 3K to go, you've got a great chance of beating him. The exact opposite is true for Clabo. If you are with Clabo with 3K to go, 2K to go, 1K to go, 100 meters to go, you're screwed. So I just feel like you know, again, don't don't let the guy who wants to have everyone play into his hands, don't play into his hands. It just th- that seemed to me what happened to this field. Uh, it was it was everyone played into his hands completely. And yeah, I mean, I'm a little shocked. Well, I mean, Clabo should buy Kruger uh, a present with that eighty three thousand uh, Swiss francs that he has sitting right now in his prize uh, package uh, so far in the year because it's like. If there was one guy who could have gone at 6K, 7K, kind of when that they first initially went and, and said, hey, this is my one chance for the whole tour, which it was, it's Kruger. He he had to, at 7K, he should have chilled out with Clavo for like 1K and then at some point gone, all right, here's the new established pace. We're going we're gonna to take this all the way in. The last 12K is, is me stringing everything out because I need a big win here. I mean, I, I don't understand what he was thinking. You know, he he let the entire pack come back to him. He's got to be livid about that. I don't know if, like, the Norwegian press has asked him, but that that's the obvious question is, like, basically, you walk up to Kruger, you stick the mic into him, and you go, how badly did you screw up today? <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I, I talked on the last show. Kruger could be a threat here. It's not over yet. But that was dependent upon him crushing this race and not finishing like he did which was eighth kruger had the 35th fastest time today obviously that's because he didn't start that far back from Klaba, who by the way Klaba had the 42nd fastest time isn't that nuts he wins today he he does the course <laughs> 41 people did it faster than him guess who did it the fastest I think I called this Friedrich Malk of Germany, the fastest time today. He finishes in 15th. Great race by the by the young German. He's just 22. Um, and, he, and he was up there gunning and got in the pack, made it rain. Another guy who did something similar was Scott Patterson, 17th, uh, 17th overall. He was seven seconds off the win, fourth fastest time. Let's hear what he had to say about his race. How'd it go out there for you today? Uh, it was good. I started... I mean, I was bid 29, started a little bit back, but we caught the lead back in like three laps, I think, something like that, and then kind of turned into a little bit of a cat and mouse game, which was a little frustrating. I wanted it to be a harder race, but turned out all right. Had a little bit of a sprint finish, was right in there in the mix, so it was fun. Did you ever get a chance to stick your nose up at the front of the group? I wasn't quite at the front. Yeah. I, I kind of stuck around like maybe 10th or yeah. so at highest. What was the mood of the group? Everybody's just kind of looking around, playing it for the last... Uh last couple climbs yeah it seemed like no one really was going there was one little move but it didn't last very long so it was just kind of people skiing on skis jockeying for position move up to the front move back kind of frustrating but sometimes that's racing yeah so four stages in three to go how's the body feeling how you looking forward to uh, the next three 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 stages uh i I mean i'm good i'm (laughs) not really looking forward to the sprint not really my jam but the next two will be fun i feel like 
with my training and background kind of as we get more and more and people get tired i start moving up the ranks so i'm excited for val you're pretty uh, pleased with how the tour is going for you so far yeah reasonably i mean would have liked to start on a little stronger foot but i kind of always tend to build into the season so this i mean i had a few okay races in period one tours kind of feels like it's going in the right direction and really big goals around world champs and later in the season so i'm happy with it cool thanks scott appreciate yeah. it good job out there today thanks Okay, so I guess I have to, you know, make covenant correction here because just as I said, oh, no one's going to come on here and say they're feeling great. Of course, Scott Patterson, the with the trail running background, comes on here and says the, that exact thing. By the way, where is he placed right now in the standings? Let me pull that up. The Tour de Ski standings for the men. Uh, right now, Clabo has a 12-second lead over Pellegrino. What a dude. Goldberg, 14 seconds back. Scar, 32 seconds back. Kruger, still 32 seconds back. Porima, 37. Tonset, 39th. Rota, 39th. Holland, 39 seconds. Haverson, 49 seconds. Malk, a minute back. Ben Ogden in 12th, a minute 19 back. Uh, and then the next American is Patterson, 26th back. Let's just quick take a run through. Schumacher, 31st. Um, and then coming all the way down, Ketterson 54th, Finn O'Connell 55th. Those two, that, that is a battle, by the way, those two. I mean, Finn O'Connell's got a lot that he's probably fighting for, the, the Bridger Ski Foundation dude, uh, because, you know, like, it, I mean, Ketterson's now, got, what, 22 World Cup starts to his name, so he's he's out there, kind of one of the most established young guns. Finn earning his spot from the Super Tour. He's not competing at U.S. Nationals with his buddies, and so, I mean, that that's something that's competitive. I know it's not like on an international scale, something that people are watching, but something U.S. fans probably want to keep their eyes on. And same thing with JC in 70th place, just three seconds over 71st place, with which is Kevin Boulder. Bolger, and we probably should be doing um, a little bit of a... There's only 74 people right now, by the way, who remain in the tour. Uh, some big names have dropped out. Names like Niskanen. Right? Niskanen's out, I think. Right? Yep. Niskanen, we've lost Nienget. Those are probably the two biggest ones. So they didn't start today. Anyway, so Patterson. Yeah. A couple of responses there to what what he said. You know, it was frustrating that that's racing. I guess it, it, I didn't feel like this course was one of those courses where it would have been impossible to get away from the pack. Like he was kind of saying he just kind of got in 10th. I'd have to get, go back and watch again. Maybe he was you know, completely obstructed from moving around in that pack if, cause he would have been coming up from, from the back. So it's hard to get around people. Those guys were like four or five skiers wide the whole way. So if he's someone who like, yeah, if I could get out of here and go on that long a climb, then I would have, but I, I really just couldn't, he's forgiven. But if he was a little bit like sitting there, like, <laughs> okay, I'm here now. My, my like I would have been trying to think if I can't go right away just okay over the next two laps I need to get in a position where I am able to make a move because what better move would have been for Patterson he's not he's not like fighting for a top five so you can be a little reckless here like <clears throat> you know go for it if he's on lap five in 10th place he should go around people make a hard move and then just hammer from that point even if the slingshot comes back do not let up on the gas Make these guys at least work for it, you know. Um, give us some action there. It, 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 honestly, too, this is not one of those suicide missions. It's that would that's in his best interest. If you're Ogden, you want everything to be slow. You want it to come down to kind of a craziness sprint at the end, which it did. 
Um, and because, hey, yeah, like he said, the last K is kind of where he's going to make his money anyway. But I think if you're Patterson, I think, you, you know, you look back. And again, sorry, I didn't really finish my rant. Kruger, dude. I mean, his is a different, uh, different scenario because he caught, he caught Clabo when there was just the three or four of them, you know, and he should have, he should have known, he should have had a better idea of what he was going to do when that happened. You know, like it makes me wonder if he thought, if he was surprised by that, that, and, and even Clabo in the post-race interview, he's not sure if you, you saw that with Fist, but he was kind of like, yeah, you know, I sort of thought it was going to be a mass start and that's what it ended up being. But then he, he sort of said something about like, I kind of thought, you know, it'd be me and Kruger up there for a bit. And and he didn't, he, he kind of like lost that train of thought. But in my mind, I was almost thinking, I feel like Clabo thought he was going to have to work hard for this win if it was even going to happen. I think he was kind of waiting. You know, Clabo's thought was, I'm going to just go at a reasonable pace. I'm not going to let him catch me in the first 1K, <clears throat> you know, but if they catch me, if they catch me between seven and 10, that's fine because I think I can maybe stay with Kruger for 10K or at least minimize the damages. And yeah, Kruger just, he just laid an absolute egg when you think about it. <clears throat> um, one other guy. Well, oh no, that's all. That's all our guys quotes that we have. So let's skip over to the girls race. Talk a little bit about that. What we saw. Um, oh no, I do have some, sorry. I have a, I have a couple of things I was thinking as I was watching this as, as, this is all playing out. We've got a kicker's race for no reason at all. And Pellegrino, I, he must have been loving it. I mean, I would have I would have been just bringing up how, how thrilled Pellegrino was about that because yeah, again, here's a, the crazy stat I think um in the in the fist provided media guides it says pellegrino's only non-norwegian man to finish on the podium in a freestyle distance event this world cup season finished third in the 20k pursuit freestyle in ruka and here he is again placing second right i mean that in a 20k pursuit well no duh i mean you just again all the people who could have done something about that didn't so that's why it happened that way and if we look at the results i think pellegrino's time uh, well he actually had the sixth fastest time so that's kind of impressive man great race by pellegrino let's just let's just give it up winning one for the dads there and now in the rankings i think i brought i already read his name what is he? he's second i mean how exciting He's he's got a great setup here. The spring classic, he's gonna get destroyed by Clavo, but he might still get like a second place, right? And um I know people are gonna say, well, he's got no chance on that final stage. First of all, a podium would be a big win for him on the tour to ski. That that'd be a that'd be a crazy, a crazy finish. Even if he's third. I I think there's still a good chance like Tunseth pulls out something crazy in those final two races or maybe even still Kruger. He's got to do decent in the sprint, which I think is a little bit nervous, uh, ner- nerve wracking. Scar, Scar is going to be competitive because he's been doing well in the sprints. The 15K Classic, he can do well. And he's just he's got a lot more like to fight for. I mean, watch out for Porma because that guy... Uh, does have some guts in the distance races. So if his skis are working well and he's got confidence, you know, and he can put together just a reasonable result in the sprint races, um, that'd be a fun, exciting element on that last climb too. But yeah, Pellegrino's got to be thrilled about that slow pace. And um, and he was. I mean, I wrote that down as the race was happening. He's got to be thrilled about this. And it was great. Um, I had a couple notes here. Uh, oh, Oh, here's something for you technique nerds out there. You see Clabo, and I've been noticing this when I watch him, even in like a random roller ski video, him warming up. I think he sort of has a a V2 on steep uphills that's like, 
at first I just thought he he was well I guess I don't know why he's bringing this out but let me describe what it is. He's got a V2 that he uses on steep uphill climbs where he bring he kind of widens his shoulder radius a little bit. Like he, he brings his arms out wide. So he's really kind of putting the stress on his pecs and his traps kind of. And then he, he has a really, really short abbreviated pole plant, pole cycle, his entire pole cycle. And, he, and I, he's planting his poles way back behind him, uh, which makes sense for, for the steeper uphill climbs, kind of that, that distance you're you're not you're not doing a full complete phase when you're going up a steep hill climb and it's like it's just another cloboism you know like here's a guy who has figured out the most efficient way to go up hills at a certain pace so that he's not breaking his speed his momentum and, and that's like just one more arsenal he's got there's not enough not enough space to like spread out for an offset he's going to go into this v2 that's not not like a full-fledged v2 it's like it's like a baby jog v2 but it still works. Um, yeah, just it's 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 interesting because it's yeah. I I don't know. Maybe maybe if you asked him about it, he would he would be dialed right in. He'd go, yeah, you caught me. Or, or maybe he'd go, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like literally just adjusting the train. To which I would just say, yeah, again, cloboism, God's gift to cross country skiing, adjusting to the train just perfectly. Um, that was something I wanted to bring up. So you know, I know I like to talk a lot about technique, and that's actually kind of a good transition into the girls race because man first of all all the praise goes to jesse diggins unbelievable um resiliency she's been hounded by the norwegian media the the thing that struck me the most i just couldn't believe it was the norwegian coach i think it was who made a comment how like after the first stage and certainly after the second stage he would have been consulting with the medical team if this was a norwegian athlete i'm like Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's a massive overreaction. So Jesse Diggins has goes like five years without you know uh, laying lay having a bad day, and then has a bad sprint, and then a bad distance race, and you're just like, man, I don't know what those American coaches are doing. They're not they're not going to see medical. I mean, come on, I I, I get it, right? There, everyone wants to know. Well, what's the reason? You know, and we're, we're all up in arms, and this is it's certainly uncharacteristic but i mean even people are afforded uncharacteristic performances this is actually something that typically on my show i will rag on endurance athletes for not having to walk through the fire that uh, a pro baseball pro football pro basketball player pro hockey player would have to do because they don't they typically do not have to answer to the media answer to the jackals all that um, but this is something that I think is kind of ridiculous on the flip side. Jess Diggins has two bad raises, three bad raises, but it was after two that people are already going crazy. Um, and, and and everyone's like, something's wrong. Something's wrong. This is the problem with the endurance community. We're all, everyone's so like hyper focused and hyper analytic. They're like, you know, you're, you're hearing, well, maybe she overcooked it over Christmas, you know, too many training hours. Maybe she's sick, you know, Um all these sorts of things like or maybe it's something just as simple she feels great and and she like had a couple of bad v2s on that sprint qualifier and her skis weren't super fast and she didn't take a turn very well and all of a sudden like hey world cup thin margins i don't know if it's that thin of margins but people seem to say that it is so like 
It's possible. You know, like, have you ever tried V2ing as fast as you can and then just like slipped? I feel like that's even still possible for some of these athletes, it, it, especially with some of the conditions. I mean, I, I am kind of curious if it was surely a tech issue because that would that would just take you from, you know, first to 40th, even if you're feeling great, if your skis are crappy and in the conditions we've had where it's been so dicey. So, I mean... I'll praise Diggins props for if that is the case, just hiding all of it, just being classy, not really mentioning it at all. Um, I give her credit for who, even if it was um, something else, you know, if she looks at it and goes, this, this was on me, actually, those three performances weren't great. And it's kind of, it's on me props to her for coming back and just like hammering this uh, performance, you know? And um, I was listening to the Devin Kershaw show last night on my ski. And one thing that, that kind of struck me is Devin was saying, She's given up the tour to ski. Um, the tour to ski is pretty much over. This was after stage three. I, I, I'd probably have to agree with that, right? Mathematically. But then he said, and so is the World Cup overall. And and I know that like you get those bonus points for the tour to ski winning and everything, but like there was a lot of races left. I was looking at the money, the money sheet that has like the entire World Cup calendar. I mean, there's a lot of races left. So Digg- Diggins is capable of winning like three in a row. And the Norwegians are kind of crazy. Like, Tiro Lunas Vang could have a cough, and the coach would be like, sorry, you're not coming to the next five World Cups. You know, like, there's dumb stuff like that that they are not afraid to do. So, no, I I am not someone who would go, the World Cup is out of reach. I think she's still got a shot. Uh, That being said, before before I, I get into the critique thing I wanted to bring up, let's hear from Jesse Diggins what she thought about her race. Here we go. Tom Horrocks on the boots on the ground. Jess Diggins, Tour de Ski. Stage four. Uh, you kind of uncorked one today. How'd that feel? I mean, I knew my body was fine the whole time, uh, but no one else knew it <laughs> except for our team. So I think, honestly, I had to just keep believing and trusting the plan and um, really trusting people close to me who were looking out for me. And I finally had great skis, um, and that's really what I needed. And it was you know, no secret within the team that we've been struggling with that. And it was kind of the perfect storm, the first three stages of not having kick and glide and in conditions where that really causes me to bleed time because of the way I ski. So, um, I was just so grateful. Um, they've been working so, so hard and absolutely slaving away every single day of the tour. And so it was just to have the skis that I needed to have a competitive day and just let my body do its thing. I just really, really needed that. So um, that just felt great to be able to prove to myself that I, my body is fine. My fitness is still there. It's been there all along and I just needed a chance to let it fly. <laughs> so um, I was really happy with that. And honestly, one of the highlights has just been seeing the team, like seeing people have great days, like Elena fifth time a day. Sophia was seventh, six, I, six or seventh, or yeah. seventh. Like it was amazing. And then like Ben and Gus and Hunter yesterday and Scott today, it was just like, it's just been really cool. And just, you know, it's been really hard for me, but just really investing in the team and feeling that love and support has been really, really huge. They've really been having my back and, looking out for me when uh the outside world has been <laughs> making it a little hard for not me so, so kind times, not yeah. so kind at times and i know that's sport but it really means a lot to me and even little things like when i crashed on the training day i crashed and hurt my shoulder and 
um, Anna Kilnanen from the Finnish team, she and her tech stopped and made sure I was okay and checked on me. And Heidi came and found me and was like, I really want to ski with you. And just little things from the World Cup, from people who just really care and get it, has been absolutely huge. So, well, I think you're the leader of it. I mean, when Jesse or Julia was down in the finish yesterday, you were right out there. You cut off an interview, went right out there. <laughs> I literally you know? ran out on an interview yeah. to go... Yeah. To go help her, because uh, that's what it's about. There are things that are more important than racing, and I think being kind and being a good teammate and a good person is more important than racing. And um, I am proud to say that that's what I've been focused on uh, this whole time. So, but uh, yeah, it's it is honestly a relief to just know, like, hey, my body is fine. So that's three stages been great. left to go. You looking forward to all three of those stages? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm just. It's always one day at a time, whether it's a good day or a bad day, it's just one day at a time. So now we're looking forward to hopefully not getting very carsick on a very windy drive, but really excited to get back to Prodotso. We have this really great hotel that just family looks out for us, and it's really cool. So it'll be good. Cool. Congratulations. Thanks. All right. So, Jesse Diggins, you heard it from her. Uh, it does sound a little bit like... You know, they, they, she said it with no secret within her team that we just haven't had the best skis. Um, and so <clears throat> that's, that's interesting. It kind of makes you, I think, I give, I give her a ton of credit. It'd be so hard. I mean, uh, for an athlete of, of her stature to not, to not say that to the Norwegian media. She knows, like, you know, when they're, when they're saying what's wrong, something must be wrong, and she's got like the straight up answer. Oh no, guys, I'm totally fine. We I, we just really missed the skis. That's it. Like that's not going to do anyone any any good. So, I mean, props to the U.S. ski team and the coaches as well for that culture to to like kind of have it so that an athlete wouldn't do that. You know, because again, go back to the major sports. Like those players often are thinking so selfishly because of the culture that they're in that like they're going to throw the offensive coordinator under the bus. They're, Aaron Rodgers is going to throw his wide receiver under the bus. Um, and you look at Jesse Diggins, she didn't do that. And that's amazing. You know, like, so if Jesse, if you're listening to this props to you, that's, that's awesome. Um, the thing, the thing I was going to bring up when I was watching the broadcast, this happened right, right when Jesse caught up to the pack, she was V twoing up a, or I'm sorry, V one, up a hill, so offset climbing next to Heidi Vang, and I, I think it was Slind at the time. It was a little bit hard, uh, hard to tell Slind and um, the other Norwegian that was with her. Uh, yeah, I can't, can't remember, gap in my mind. But anyway, the the uh, Andrew on the broadcast brought up, he's like, you know, look at Jesse's tempo right now. And it was very true, but like, if you go back to this, this moment in the race, you know, I want to say again, somewhere in the 14K range, she her skis are are like not gliding at, hardly at all compared to like vangs and this isn't like a ski speed complaint here this is definitely a technique thing if you watch Heidi Vang with her offset she has the rhythm and timing such that her up up uphill ski it's it is moving a much greater distance than diggins and I'm not sure if this is because Jesse was caught on the inside of the turn enough to where like her grade was actually just that much better or that much steeper, but which would definitely affect things. But I, I think this is actually just in general, our US team, uh, the their the uphill climbing on the girls' side, like everyone's everyone's technique fingerprint V1 is their V1 fingerprint, that's maybe the way of saying it, is very unique. 
it's not in the Norwegians. It's all very uniform, you know, and and it's very it's easy and efficient. When they're, they, I mean, they can even again, like I think Vang at this moment in the race was was like dogging it, you know. And Diggins looked like she was in high tempo, come on guys, let's go mode. And <laughs> dude, I love the fact that that's her take because there is literally nothing more annoying to me in the sport of cross-country skiing than the multitudes of people who v1 slow up hills in races and in training um this is this is some <laughs> i'm gonna go off on a side rant to your side tangent i don't have amazing v1 technique okay but i i've i've noticed this almost from the moment that i kind of started getting into the sport that people are always climbing at a really slow pace. And I know there's this side of like, well, if it's an easy day, like we're, we can't go over the, the heart rate, can't get above a certain zone. Okay, okay, I get that. But in a race, you also go slow. And I'm starting to wonder if it's like, if you're never going up a hill at just kind of a, this is the the fastest comfortable pace, like just a good rhythm. Who cares? We're, we're not in a, we're not doing like a crazy hard interval. We're just like skiing for fun. If that default for you is super slow because 85% of your training is slow. I kind of think when you're dying in a 20 K, you will also be a lot slower than the guy who might like just ski up a hill a little bit faster normally. So I know wild, crazy physiology take. I'm sure I'll get hate mail for it, but I, I, I think like no, watching this race too, this is like fast ice, firm conditions. And it just seemed like everyone was like lemming, like on the climbs, there was no one who was going, what are we doing here? Like we have a chance to make up serious time. And, and you just saw like when Frida Carlson did kick it into high gear, it was insane. The gap that she could put on, uh, on everyone, you know, um, and and I I think like Calvo the fact that she was with Tierra Unisvang I'm I'm a little shocked that she she must have been like hey I'm spent from yesterday like I've really, I'm really just cooked and and or this these conditions are harder than than um, me Ryan Cedarquist thinks they are but you know because she really should have been once it was her and Vang for third she should have been pushing it really hard on some of those uphills earlier than she did she obviously had something left coming to the stadium tried to make a move up that last hill but it's like you're way too late at that point you know like use your aerobic base use your aerobic fitness and just just uh destroy these people but yeah it just and the guys race was worse the guys race obviously they were dogging it so it's hilarious watching them climb up some of those hills i mean just so slow but but i mean from the technique standpoint i think my point that i'm trying to make is it i find it fascinating that the, the norwegians all climb a very similar technique they get great glide on their uphill a ski on the v1 they they just seem more efficient and dynamic across the board than us and i think it, it, it's just it it blows my mind honestly that like jesse can do as well as she as she does and i just wonder if she was if she had Heidi Vang's technique with her mentality and also just her engine, it'd be it'd be kind of freaky how how she would have just destroyed these people. She would have caught up to the podium, I think. Like I I honestly watching that race, it was like she almost if she would have had another five K, it, it might have happened anyway. But like, you know, even just some of those hills, she wasn't separating quite as much. You know, and obviously she's great on the downhills. I'm sure she was working those downhills and working the flats and working all the in-between spots. That That's really what makes Jesse Diggins win races. 
you know, the, the more I, I do follow her, it's like you, she, she's the person who is squeezing every ounce out of a course where everyone else is bleeding because they can't focus. They can't handle the pain and still like, like hunker down and really focus. And, and Diggins does that on parts of the course where, where people take plays off and it's the flats it's the gradual downhills, the working downhills, the little the corners, all that stuff. But the fascinating part is, is that her her engine and mentality is perfect for a climber too. And I mean, she's got incredible pain tolerance, so she does pretty well if it's like a brutal enough hill climb, like that final stage will be. But um, in just a normal World Cup race, I think her technique holds her back enough that we don't actually see that expressed. Uh, it it it's worth it, I think. Like especially if the skate is her bread and butter, like. I would spend all next year just like really trying to uh, make efficient her V1. Like, I mean, I know last summer it was kind of like, I think it was the summer of trying to get that Clabo kick down the herringbone. That's a good thing to go and do. Like she's trying to round out her weaknesses. I think that's a big one though. That's still left on the table for her. So the other big performance of the day, we got to give a shout out to Elena Sonneson. She had the fifth fastest time and we got quotes from her. So we're going to jump down or jump over the ocean and, uh, Ajay, play the clip. Elena Sonneson, Tour de Ski Stage 4. Ooh, Elena, congrats. What an effort today. How did you feel out there? I felt so good. Very happy with the day. With a minor mistake, but overall, still really happy. What was the minor mistake? Oh, man. <laughs> I really went for it on, in the last kilometer of the race and was just trying to uh, hang on to Julia as much as I could. And I was going for it, and I could not feel my legs going up the last hill. And going around the last corner, I... Um, did not stay on my feet so I got passed by a couple of people in the last 500 meters but I know I gave it my all today so I'm proud of that yeah one heck of an effort fifth fastest time of the day today you've got to feel good about where your fitness is where you're where you are at four stages now into the tour with three to go are you ready are you ready for three more <laughs> I am definitely uh I hope I'm ready for three more I um am really proud that I was just patient throughout this tour and throughout this season and coming into today, I was hopefully optimistic and uh, didn't really know what to expect. And this by far exceeded my expectations, but um, just really proud of staying with it and trying to stay in a good mental space going into it. So um, I'm, I'm excited for more. Cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Great to hear from Elena Sonneson, the YZ of Minnesota product. Hometown pride. Minnesota really representing, honestly, on this tour to ski. You think about it. We've got, let's see, Zach Hederson, right, Bloomington, Jesse Diggins, Elena Sonneson. Um, is there anyone else like that I'm that I'm missing here that would be connected to Minnesota? I don't think so. Um, hotbed for cross-country skiing. You know what I mean? Okay, last but not least, got to hear from Matt Wickham. Uh, his thoughts four stages into the tour. Here he is. Yeah, you know, that's uh it's it's easy to lose focus on uh, what's really happening here. And yesterday we had a race that was uh, the best we've had in men's distance skiing in maybe four decades. Um, John Estel reached out to me and he thought maybe 1982, 1983, something like that. So um, we were thinking it was it was something impressive like that. So uh, just feeling amazing about the men's team. It's like a runaway truck right now when, when uh, just the Esprit de Corps gets to the place where we have it. Um, you just kind of step back and, and don't get in the way of it. Um, and so these, these results are so satisfying because it's just a product of their work together. Um, it won't be long before um, some of these guys are uh, stepping up on that podium. Yeah, and very close. Very close indeed. 
uh, for the women today, you know, this is, uh, <laughs> this will, uh, we haven't been worried for a moment about uh, Jesse. Um, we, we've been having meals with her and hanging out with her all day, skiing, training with her, watching her race, and um, the energy has never suggested anything that's alarming. And so anybody that has um, wondered or uh, suggested that there's actually a problem probably didn't pay close attention during the race. Um, it just uh, really speaks to how many variables exist in this sport. And, and, you know, the best athletes in the world are allowed to have three bad days in a row. Um, do we like that to happen? Of course not. Has it been hard on her and us? Of course it has. But um, what we did was we took a step back and started enjoying the days and the process and uh, uh, just the very fact that we get to do this. We don't have to. And it does also speak to the fact that this is indeed a team sport. You know, everybody has to come together to make it happen. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, when uh, we have an athlete that's that's down emotionally, uh, you see the rest of them flock around them. And you see them willing to plug in deliberately to their teammates because they know there's trust there. Good. Uh, three more stages to go? Three to go. I wish there were more. This is my favorite event of all time. And uh, huge thanks to Obersdorf, who has, uh, again, pulled off out of a terrible situation two wonderful races. Cool. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Tom. Oh, I love it. I love how he ended there. Uh, this is his favorite event. He was sort of more. How great would that be, too? Honestly, like the Tour de Ski should be two weeks long. Here's the other thing the Tour de Ski should have. Um, this is, I, I think, a massive missing component. I, they need to have a Tour de France element of it. Like they could definitely intertwine with, you know, a major marathon like the Marcia Longa or heck just just have your own event I guess if you really can't do that but like skiing from some of these points would be epic so I know in Norway right you've got like you could ski across the entire country on Nordic ski trails what if they had you know you're in by to stolen you do a 10k and you do a sprint then you get a day off and then the next day you actually have to ski like 65k in the classic technique from Bidestolen to the next venue, Lillehammer, Oslo, or whatever, you know? And then you have a day off, and then you go sprint freestyle, or, you know, and, and another interval start. And then it's another marathon. You know, like, the thing is, is the, 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 the one thing that I think our sport is just continuing to throw out are these, are the 50Ks. Like, that is a part of the sport, too, um, it, it, you look at this calendar, like there were like three 10 K's in a row or something stupid. Uh, I, I know I'm exaggerating, but two 10 K classics, basically back to back and then a 20 K and, and it just kind of feels like, you know, even you could say, well, yeah, and they've got a five K too. So that's something different. It's like, come on, like the five K race is different than a 10 K and, and that's different than a 20 K. But, but the 50 K is way different. Like there has to be, there should be a 50 K on the counter. That's an interval start and a 50 K that is a mass start and probably a 50 K that's, um, there should be two mass starts, one mass start freestyle, one mass start classic, one interval start classic, three 50 Ks in there. But, but I think, uh, at a minimum, like, yeah, the tour de skis could be so spicy if they decided that they were going to add some of that going to these different nations. And, and even if it meant like the entire tour is in Norway, I, I still think that would be amazing. Who cares? Like you're, you could you could center it around their amazing venues in Trondheim, in Lillehammer, in Oslo, Bidestolen. Like there's plenty of great ones there that would um, would kind of host some of the events. And then you just, yeah, you have these epic through the wood marathons. Sign me up, Fist. These are the kind of great ideas that you're missing out on.
So if you made it to the end of the show, um, you were just rewarded with some brilliance there. Uh, and if you have extra thoughts or ideas, you know, send me an email, cedarscaregmail.com. You can email us, email the show, questions, comments, even complaints, although be careful with the complaints because we take them extremely personally, far too personally. I will mope around for days if you are too cutting to this production. So if you want, if you really hate it that much, I suggest you start your own podcast and you can make your own rants. Anyway, uh, well, Tour to Ski is four stages in. We hope you've enjoyed our coverage here. We're going to be behind the microphone for stage five, six, seven. Maybe we'll do a post show afterwards too. We'll see. Um, but but looking forward to what's to come and the, and the U.S. team looking fine, looking fine so far. So hopefully you are too. Hopefully you can get outside. Keep on striving. Keep on skiing. <laughs>